Hey, TABC family, welcome back to the podcast. We're glad to have you with us as we seek to go deeper into Sunday's teaching and ask the questions that will help us live out God's word in our daily lives. That's why we do this podcast, to equip the followers of Jesus here at 12th to grow in obedience and affection for him every day. Our hope is that at 12th, we would be a biblical community of kingdom people who are joining God in the restoration of all things, one person, one place at a time. And our desire is that our time together today equips you to do just that. Thanks for being with us. Let's jump in. Hey, everybody, we're back. And this week we have a guest who's uh, running the podcast. <laughs> this- I'm- I'm in here with Batman. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, this is actually Garen, but this is going to be the Batman podcast. There's <laughs> once in my life I get to be Batman on a podcast. So, a Lego Batman. Not Lego, um, but Lego, but also uh, Christian Bale. <laughs> so, no, just been struggling with a cold and my voice sounds really whacked, but uh, we're still going to go through with it because it was a it was a really good sermon. And I got to watch it from uh, laying second witch to... <laughs> <laughs> But uh, you did a great job. And so I'm really curious. My big question is, is Jordan, why Genesis 15? I mean, man, there's a lot of great chapters in the Bible. John chapter 3, or we could pick a lot out of Romans. Um, why John? Why Genesis? You kind of talked about it, but I want you to save more. Yeah. Why Genesis 15? Yeah, it's a good question. I think anytime we have a chance to understand something on a deeper level in the Bible, especially Old Testament stuff where we feel like we understand the least probably, That's just something that really excites me. And so when I came across that and um, have been watching some some videos just to kind of learn more about the Old Testament, and when that was really explained in context and what it meant and the significance of it, and I, I was like, okay, this is something I've read several times and I'm just now getting, and the light bulb was so bright for me and it was so exciting to understand it. Uh, I was like, I have to share this. And so, like I said, you know, you kind of made, uh, you kind of made 2023 the year of the Old Testament at 12. So I had to, Testament, I had to finish yeah. it out well. And you didn't. But I, I had that one in my pocket for a while. And even before you asked me to teach, I was like, next time I get to teach at 12, I want to talk about this because those moments where we learn something new in scripture uh, and it really like, like turns on a light bulb for us. Those are, those are cool moments. And I, I knew how much it meant to me. And so I wanted to share that with everybody at 12. Okay, that's great. But I want to come back in a minute to Genesis 15. But I want to diverge for a minute. Like the Old Testament, because a lot some people are like, it's boring. I mean, you said yourself, you started Genesis, you peter out halfway through Exodus. Mm-hmm. A lot of people are like, what's the point of this? I don't get it. I don't get what's going on. Why is it so important? Why, why don't we just be people in the New Testament? Yeah. What would you say? I would say because... Um, I would say because when we're in the Old Testament and we understand it, we realize the way that it paves the way for the New Testament. It sets up our context of what's happening. It, uh, it adds depth to, to the things that Jesus is talking about. If you, if you read the life of Jesus and you know his words, you know how many times he referenced the Old Testament. It was clearly something that was so important to him and shaped him. And so if Jesus sees value in it, and quoted it often, you know, why should I not see value in it and quote it often? Yeah. Um, the Bible is this whole story 
And so if you leave off the first like 70% yeah. of it, you, you're just missing yep. a lot of what God is trying to communicate to totally us. Totally agree. Yeah. If, if you see the Bible primarily is how I did for a long time, that it was, it was like a, a textbook with moral truths on how to live with stories that illustrated it. Once I realized that it was actually a whole story, it changed how I saw it. So we do have to know the whole story. It's like I mean, jumping it's, into the Lord of the Rings trilogy halfway through two towers. Yeah. You know, you're, you're missing the first part of it. Yeah. We're doing the same thing with Harry Potter, two books in, but we won't talk about Harry Potter. Oh, I'm we a Christian here, and so I've yeah. never seen that. I wouldn't know yeah. about that. The only reason I said that's because uh, I'm in Lego Batman mode right now. <laughs> Normal Aaron would not have said that. <laughs> only sick Aaron would say that. Um, yeah. And Paul, I mean, he quotes the Old Testament so much. Right. And what I find interesting is he's quoting the Old Testament to books written to churches that were full of Greek-speaking people who are Romans. And it was so important to him. He felt they needed to learn that whole backstory, mm-hmm. not just for the Jewish people, right? So it is really important. So um, so back to Genesis 15. It, you mentioned it's such a crucial chapter because Paul references, especially verse, is it 16? Yeah, 16. Yeah. Is it four times you said that Paul quotes that? References I that? think I think it's six actually, not sixteen. Okay, six. Yeah, fifteen six, where it says that Abram oh, fifteen six Abram was credited righteousness. Yeah, yeah, six. And Paul quotes that multiple times, four times, and then four different times. Yeah. So it's really that chapter is really significant. And you were literally laying out to me why it's so significant. One of them was unconditional love. So let's talk about that. Mm-hmm. Here's why I want to talk about this because I have heard from people sometimes that they think. In the Old Testament, salvation is by works. In the New Testament, it's by faith. Mm-hmm. It's, by, it's by grace through faith is a New Testament thing, but that's not true. Salvation in the whole story is by grace through faith. Right, so yeah. How does this chapter illustrate that? Well, it how just, does it communicate it, it communicates to us from the beginning that that's what God's intention is, and that's how he wants to deal with humanity. Um, I mean, he says it from the onset that this is what qualifies someone as to be righteous in his sight. And so even though in the Old Testament, um, the way that people are made right with God and, and are, are right before him, it looks different than under the, the New Testament because it's a different covenant. And we yeah. can talk about that later. And it's a, it's a different way of being right before him. But as far as what, what, uh, what God is looking for in humanity and what makes someone righteous in his eyes, that has never changed. So maybe the, the way in the Old Testament that that might go is I have faith that this offering that I'm bringing to temple uh, mm-hmm. I'm having faith that it is really doing what God says it's going to do. Yes. I mean, if, okay, if we're in the Old Testament and I bring my sacrifice, but I have no faith that it's going to do anything, yeah. does God still honor it? Yeah. I, don't, I think probably not. Right. So it is still what is happening in the human heart that matters to God. It is just a different avenue than, uh, than when we're in the Old Testament. Yeah, that's really good. That's something, I don't know how many people have thought about what you just said, that even in those sacrifices, they had to be trusting right. that that was doing what he said, which was removing the sins they had committed previous to that for mm-hmm. them. And yeah, without the faith and it was meaningless even for them. I mean, what Hebrews 11, the great chapter on faith, which just goes through the old Testament says that without faith, it's impossible to please God. Right. So it's always been that way. Like you said, from beginning to end, it's not just a new Testament thing. So where do you see, you, you mentioned it, but I want to talk more again about, because the chapter, where do you see the unconditional love, the unconditionalness, the grace in that chapter, where, where does that show up? The thing that's like, God's like, this is all on me. I don't need you to do this. It's 
my deal. It's all on my back. Yeah. Well, isn't it when he, I mean, <laughs> physically <laughs> removes Abram from the area of the covenant yeah. ritual. And he says, you know, ritualistically, I'm going to make it about the fact that this is on me now. Yeah. And it's, it's not on you. Right. And so you don't have to, you know, if, if Abram had walked through that yes, aisle, right. Then he, it would have been on him to, yes, it would have been on to him. uphold his side, his side of the deal. Yeah. But God removes him from that and says, it's, it's not about what you do. It's about me, which was this huge foreshadowing yes. to the fact that it's always going to be about God and his character yeah. and what he eventually will do for us to make us right with him. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that whole Skylar meal thing. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. <laughs> that you mentioned it, but I just feel like it's so important. I'm re-highlighting it that he walks through that by himself and that's his wife saying, this is, this is not conditioned on you. Yeah. This is on me. Yeah. And so it is. A- well, maybe we should talk about that for a second because in the Bible and with the covenants, there's conditional and unconditional, right? Yeah. There's times where something is expected of Israel and they have to keep their end of the deal and they never do. I mean, that's the Old Testament, right? But there's other parts where God says, this is just me doing this yep. and you're just going to benefit from it. And that's the, that's the category we're in yeah. right here. And so the, the covenant with Noah would be unconditional. He says, I'm never sending a flood again. Had, right. He said, there was nothing humanity had to do. He says, I'm Correct. not doing that again. Uh-huh. Here's the sign, the rainbow. Uh-huh. That was purely unconditional was on him. Uh-huh. So this Abrahamic covenant is unconditional. Mm-hmm. And this is the great covenant that's a sign pointing to, I think, new covenant in Jesus. Yeah. Because that covenant is also, essentially, it's all on him. He's the one that's paying for it. Mm-hmm. Um, so you mentioned some covenants are conditional. Where do we run into a conditional covenant? So then? the one that comes after this one, right? The Mosaic covenant or the Sinai covenant? Yes. That'd be conditional. God is expecting things of Israel. He's saying, you shall do this. And if you don't, this is how it will go for you. And the people are really psyched about it. Yeah. Like, yeah, we can do it. We're going to do yeah. it. And then they leave right. Sinai and... They don't even leave Sinai. <laughs> yeah. At Sinai, it gets ugly. But yeah, Israel doesn't hold up their end of the deal. Yeah. They, it's an agreement where they actually say, God has stipulations and they say, we agree. Yeah. In Deuteronomy, they do it again before entering the land. They say, we agree. Mm-hmm. They cross in the land and go to those two mountains down close to Shiloh. I forget what they're called. Mount Ebal and something else. And there they, they do it again and they say, we agree. God said, yeah, if you hold up your end, I'll hold up my end. But if you don't, this is what I'm going to do. So that one was a conditional. So you said they didn't hold up their end. Did God hold up his end? Just of that mosaic, did he hold up his end of it? Yeah, right. So God always holds up his end in the covenant, right? Yeah. He's never not held up his end. And so this is actually one thing that I was hoping to clear up a little bit. Because I think that when I taught, I maybe didn't say this super clearly. Because we talk about how what God did was foreshadowing for the sacrifice of Christ, which I think we'd agree is true. Um when Jesus died on the cross, he wasn't paying for the sins of the Abrahamic covenant in Genesis 15 because there are no sins because yeah, there, there nothing's no. expected of yeah. him. So he is, he is bridging the gap between man and God because of the failure of the Mosaic covenant right yes. after this. Yeah. And so while in Genesis 15, you know, we see God alluding to the fact that one day he will pay with his blood, um, it's not, there's no direct connection between what Jesus did on the cross and Genesis 15. It's just this foreshadowing of yeah, what God for the would illusion, the foreshadowing, uh, right? So, and I, I realize now, you know, you sit on your, you've been here, you sit on your couch Sunday afternoon, and you, you kind of go through. <laughs> you it do mentally. your own quarterback. You after. do, your, <laughs> yes. <laughs> and thinking through, it's like, okay, that was a really significant part, and I'm glad we talked about it, but it could have been made clearer 
what Jesus was paying for because he didn't pay for anything that had to do with Genesis 15. Because like we said, nothing is expected of humanity in that. It was, it was the Israel shortcoming, humanity shortcoming in the Mosaic covenant. So I'm glad we get to clean that up a little bit. I feel badly that I oh, maybe but that, confused that people picture that. of him, like you said, he was walking through that. He was getting his feet bloody, so to speak. Right. And that was the punishment you said, is it was them saying, if I don't have a pull of my end, I'm I'm going to die for it. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. So when it comes to the mosaic, it's the same word, cut a covenant. It doesn't happen exactly the same, but it's still the same word. That cut a covenant is oh, what's used as the mosaic. Yeah. It's also used there. Okay. So still, they understand the implication of that word. Huh. Yeah. That somebody's going to have to pay through yeah. the nose, right? Right. If we don't keep it. And they paid through the nose a lot. The exile what we just saw with Nehemiah. But ultimately, what they didn't know is what I think you were saying, which is so powerful, is the God, even at the Abrahamic one, he said, he knew one day, I'm going to shed my blood. Mm-hmm. Not for the violation of the Abrahamic one, because it was on him, but for that breaking of the mosaic and for all of humanity. And I think sometimes I forget how early in Israel's story Genesis 15 is. Yes. Like we're, we're just starting the Bible. Right. And I think that Maybe part of it too is God is just showing who, his character a little bit, that he is a God who is willing to walk through the aisle by himself. And even though he's not going to pay for it till Jesus on the cross 2,000 years later, that he's saying, I'm the kind of God, as, as we get to know each other more, Israel and Abraham in your seat, as we get to know each other more, I'm the kind of God that walks down the aisle on my own and wants to own this. Because God is still developed. I mean, he is still... Um, revealing his character to Abram a lot in this. Yeah. yeah. And so, uh, yeah, Abram is the first of Israel. I mean, God decides to make the nation through him in Genesis 12. And just three chapters later, God's like, all right, from the jump, this is just who I am, just so you know. Yeah. And I'm going to make good on it one day. So. And I was like, what's so significant, Jordan, is, is so much of this important stuff happens with Abraham before the Mosaic Covenant. And that's why I think Paul so frequently when he's talking about salvation in Jesus, he's going back a lot to Abraham because mm-hmm. he's like before the Mosaic covenant. Yeah. You were saved by, I mean, that's saved by faith is showing up with Abraham. And Cause with the Mosaic covenant, you've got Israel trying to be good enough and, and right. Cause something yeah. is, is on their plate. Yeah. They've got to do something. Yeah. And so he goes back to a time before that where it's like, yeah. nothing is even asked of you. Yeah. Just so you know, yep. your trust in this promise is all you need. Yeah. And so before there's even circumcision and, yep. right. and cleanliness and all this, it's about something way deeper than that. Yeah, right. Very, And that's why Romans, Galatians, he's frequently going back to Abraham mm-hmm. because this was the, the greater precedent was this Abrahamic covenant. So, yeah, the greater precedent. That's a good way to, to say it. So yeah, I think this whole thing was a great picture of the cross. Um, what else to you, Jordan? That's kind of the same, the main stuff that stuck out, stood out to me. Um, again, I really loved it. I love that chapter. I remember, and I told Pat in Hebrew class, we had to do exegete Genesis 15. That was oh, one of no the texts kidding. that we had to work. Oh, how cool. So I've always had a real deep love for that chapter. And you did a really great so job with that. Are you going to critique the way I said my two Hebrew words? No, I was... Because I was YouTubing to know how to say those because you you, weren't in the office. You You can only read so much in a book. It's like, okay, I think this is how you... (laughs) My big question though was, I do have one big question. Like, was Skyler in the audience? You said, I don't know, is this gossip or not? Yeah, Yeah. was he? I couldn't tell. He was in the back, yeah. He was in the back. He was in the back bench. 
and so he shouted out. He's like, yep, I'm here. Yeah, so, and yeah. I'm sure he loved it. The online the audience probably didn't understand that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I talked to him afterwards and I said, hey, I kind of, I just kind of just came to me. Sorry if that was what I, and he's like, no. He said, hey, it's not gossip if it's true. Yeah. Well, <laughs> for those who know Skyler, it was you know very Skyler, hilarious. It was true. <laughs> There's a core of maybe 20, 25 of us in the church who got a big laugh out of. Okay, good. Out of that whole thing because well, we know and love him and. We've had meals at his house, so we know what it's like to eat. Yeah, we've had the rattlesnake chili. The Genesis chili. 15 meal. The Genesis 15 <laughs> meal, yeah. We've had the rattlesnake chili at Chili Night, so it holds up. Um, any other things? Because I, I leave things on the cutting room floor, right, with mm. sermons. I'm sure there's some stuff you left on the editing table. Was there anything that you uh, left out that you're like, if I could have said that, that would have been really good? I think talking even more about how the Old Testament points to Christ. Like if I had 55 minutes instead of 35 minutes, I think I would have gone there and just gone and talked about how, I mean, every part of the Old Testament really does point to him and just create such a need for him. And even with Nehemiah, right? Like we kind of talked about that a little bit at the end of last year. Why do we include Nehemiah, the last chapter of Nehemiah? Yeah. It's, it's, I think, largely because we are shown that Nehemiah, while he's great, is not Christ. He's not Messiah. And so, I mean, you see this with the story of David and Saul and all these great leaders in Israel's history. What happens at the end of their story? They get cut down yeah. because, you know, the author is intentionally showing us they're not it. Yeah. And so um, just drawing more attention to that, because when you read the Old Testament with those eyes, it's so cool to finish a part of the Old Testament and just think, well, we're still waiting. Yeah. We're still waiting. And so, yeah, uh, that, that would have been one piece, just how much into the depth to which the Old Testament points to Christ. Um, and then just the, I mean, if we had, and, and you also don't want to talk too much about different things because you want to keep it in one direction, but it's just amazing to me how many things in the Old Testament are fulfilled in the new and the ways that Jesus uh, quotes the Old Testament and uses it and what he says so much. Yeah. Because our initial thought is that the Old Testament's outdated, but Jesus didn't see it that way. And so much of what he says is building on it. Yes. And so to, to there, and I would have done it there at the very end when I was kind of trying to compel people to get into it more in 2024. We, we did it a little bit, but um, yeah, trying to just generate interest and excitement in that part of the Bible because it is so rich and deep. And it's something that I've learned a lot more about here in the last few months as I've dug into it more and been digging into more resources. You just walk away from almost every session of that I do. Just like, whoa, the Old Testament is so cool. Yeah. And on its face, it is a weird story. And we kind of Yeah, there are some it, very, but, yeah, and you do. You read the weird stuff and you're uh, like, what is this? Right. And you just want to speed by it, which is what you said. Like, I want to get something a little more exciting. Mm-hmm. I want to see a fight so, or some, something. Something I can like use. Yeah. Because this weird story of cut up animals and a floating torch, like, I'm not, what? That doesn't apply to me. Let, let's skip ahead. So it all applies to us. Yeah. Even just that, again, him walking down that aisle of that, him doing that knowing one day I'm going to literally walk down this blood-soaked aisle to mm-hmm. pay the price for a covenant that I didn't violate. Mm-hmm. I'm going to do that. And he did that that day, even knowing what was coming in the future. Yeah. And man, that was one of the coolest parts to me is just how close Golgotha was to that. I mean, we don't know the spot in the Kidron Valley, but from the furthest, it's like, what'd you say? Like seven tenths of a mile. So, I mean, it's close and just, it's, it's really neat to me that it happened so close and 
God knew the whole time. He knew what he was doing. Yeah. It's pretty cool foreshadowing. Yeah. Um, I could ask you or I could say it. I, if you want a great resource, I think you would agree to point you to seeing how the Old Testament points to the new. I'd say the Tim Mackey stuff, the Bible Project videos. Oh, 100%. Just get their theme videos, whatever. Even his summaries, the Old Testament books, he will talk a lot. He'll trace a theme through the Bible and show you how things happening in Genesis, Exodus, all of that is building up to Jesus and pointing to him. Yeah. So if you've not watched any of those, I really recommend them to maybe be more of a hunger for the Old Testament. Yeah. There's some really good videos there that are just topical about like sin and, you know, angelic beings and things like that. And a lot of that is Old Testament. So those are great. If you want to go even deeper, if you want to really like nerd out on some stuff, the Bible Project podcast goes like exegetically through a lot of the Old Testament. And the thing I love about them is they approach it from this thing of like, okay, what? This is so weird. And they're not these big heady guys that you can't get. They're like, we understand the eyes we're looking at this with living in America in the 21st century. So how do we peel that back? And they just make it so clear what the original authors are talking about. So they are a great resource for that for sure. If you have a hunger for this and want to get yeah. to know that stuff. And they're more. even, they've already been putting classes online, but I read this year, heard this year, they're going to do a lot of that. So you actually get to see. The first classes. one is Sermon on the Mount, I think, right? Is that? Well, they're doing. Are um, we talking about the same thing or something they're, else? They're, their video series for this year is going to be Sermon on the Mount, but they actually are putting online classes through the Old Testament. Oh, great. And people are actually in there with him, like 20 people. Yeah. And so you get to see his lecture, but then people ask him questions. Hmm. Oh, wow. So, I didn't know that. That's exciting. That would be a great resource. And and like we said, there's lots of stuff out there, right? Like we live in a at a time when there's so many tools available to us to understand this stuff. Yeah. I mean, if I'm going to say, I don't know the Old Testament and I'm never going to, really, I am the obstacle. Like the way is there if I want to make it yeah. happen. Who is the dude that said like the path least tread or least followed or something, he would take that. Yeah, I feel like with the Old Testament, people see it. It's not trodden by many. The, ro- the road less traveled? Less traveled, right? Isn't that Robert Frost? Yes. Yeah. And they're like, ah, not people. You know, uh-huh. it's kind of weird. But if you take that road, there's just so much value in it. Yeah. If you're willing to, to do some stuff, ask questions. I've had somebody that's been emailing me some Old Testament questions. They're taking that risk with the Old Testament. Cool. So I, was, I appreciate the challenge. They came to Rabbi Forsyth? Yeah. Uh. <laughs> oh, sorry, sorry. Yeah. oh gosh. <laughs> I thought I was going to make it through without laughing. But okay, I'm, we've Jordan, tried to keep it pretty tame today we for have, you. you with you've been no a, you've done a good job. You didn't say anything funny about the Chiefs and offsides right. that got me cracked up or anything. Um, Staying away from that. Yeah, stayed away from that. So, all right, guys. Uh, this week, Jason's going to be doing the the teaching from up front, and then after that, we're going to be back to a new series. That I'm excited about. I'm not sure if I'm going to give you a four taste of it yet or a four, sh- whatever, let you know. But I do want to finish with one thing. I wasn't sure if I'd make this all the way through. But okay. This is on- only a few people are going to understand this and it may or may not be funny. Okay. But all I all I want to end with is just by saying, I, I got this on my first try. <laughs> little little Lego Batman. Uh, Garrett, you really, you've never sounded more like Lego Batman, yeah. so... I was hoping you would drop a Batman line on me at some point. I didn't want to ask for it, but I did. That's yeah. good. So about 10% of the people understood that and the rest didn't. If Just not, so you know, Garen loves Lego Batman so much. He's got about nine or 10 more 
lines from the movie holstered right now. And I could just see it in his eyes. It is all his self-control to hold it back. So we just got the one. All right. I dedicate that last one to my my son-in-law, Josue. So that was for right. Josue. Yeah. Okay. So Jason, like you said, teaching next week. Yep. And then you're starting something new, new after series. that. Yeah, actually, I mean, it's gonna be Let's tease it, Garen. Tease it? Let's tease it. Uh, I, I don't know how to tease it without actually saying what it is. Oh. We're actually going to talk about the Trinity. Cool. Which is, I think, foundational to everything in the Bible. Who God is. and there's, It's amazing how much you can get out of that. So we're going to spend like five weeks in the Trinity. So. You know, we have a few extra minutes. This is a shorter one. And I know we did it on purpose because your voice. So this may not be the move to make you talk more right now. But can you just give us a short 20 or 30 seconds of why... I mean, the Trinity is not in the Bible, Garen. See, now we're, we're switching seats <laughs> we're, again. We're switching seats. Yeah, we're, so the Trinity is not in the Bible. Why Why would this be a good series that's going to yeah. be beneficial? I'd say to it's not thing. in the Bible necessarily explicitly, but it is, especially in the New Testament, pretty implicit. That I think a lot of people think it's a doctrine you can't understand. Mm. So you just kind of ignore it. You yes. wish it wasn't there because your non-Christian friends will ask you about right. it and you don't know how to answer it. Uh-huh. And, and, and the so, egg analogy only holds up yeah, so much. It doesn't you know? hold up very well. <laughs> you just take one smart person to be like, that's three different things. <laughs> yeah. Okay, it's one thing, but they're three separate things. They're not, uh-huh. it doesn't take long for that. And so I think, and what we think is, it's hard to explain. I'll just put it on the shelf without understanding it's foundational. Yeah. Everything we believe about God and what it means to live as the people of God, it speaks so much to what kind of community we're supposed to be. So I want to plot some principles of the Trinity and how it relates to living as the church because there's some really deep, good stuff in it. So I'm pretty excited about it. When I saw you walking out of church with your copy of Delighting in the Trinity a few weeks ago, I should have known. <laughs> you should have known. I should have known this is coming. Okay. All right. We're excited for that. Guys, um, thanks for being with us for our first one. Garen, thank you for trying to... Uh, you know, really test your voice here. You did well. So thanks for pushing limits here for our first recording of of 24. Guys, excited to be with you. We'll give Garen's voice a break and uh, we'll see you next week.